Welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie Taylor. This podcast is produced wholly by me. It's not connected to any network or sponsors, which means we can pretty much do whatever we want. But it also means we don't get any of their money. So it's free for you to listen. Always will be. But if you see the value in the Gig Life Podcast, you can leave a tip or a donation. You can find a link in the show notes on your podcast app or go to thegigglifepodcast.com. Okay, this is episode 120, and today I'm talking to Sydney drummer, vocalist, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and all-round legend, Loz Benson. How's going where I shouldn't go? Seeing who I shouldn't see. Doing what I shouldn't do. And being who I shouldn't be. Rolling, Los Benson. Welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. G'day, mate. How's it going? <laughs> good, good. Um, you know, we've it's it's taken about two years, two and a bit years to get to this point. Oh my gosh. I remember I remember really early on in the podcast I, I contacted you and I think it was just before you went on tour or you'd just come back. And Wow, um, you've got a good memory. That yeah. is correct. Yeah. And um we tried about three weeks ago. Yep. But I, I had to knock it on the head because, um, you know, we're in this whole Delta strain COVID lockdown thing and it, it hit me pretty hard that day. And yeah. when I when I, when I was going to talk to you, I want to be in a good headspace, you know. I, <laughs> so, of course. And, and I appreciate you um, understanding that. And here we are three weeks on from that. Well, so, I, awesome. I think – I think we can all agree. Yeah. I just think like your well-being is like the number one priority. And I think everyone's pretty understanding. It's a very tough time for everyone and it's okay to be vulnerable. So yeah. I'm, I was actually really stoked that you were that open. And I was like, yep, dude, you, yeah, you do you. So yes, here we is. are now. Um, so yeah, thanks for being honest, actually. Oh, um, easy. Yeah. Oh, look, yeah. I couldn't have it any other way to be honest. <laughs> and I actually think the first time you reached out, I yeah. think I, I think I had just either, yeah, I think I'd just gotten back from tour, yeah. uh, touring and I was like, oh, just a shell of myself. So I, mm. I don't, I think maybe the, the yeah, but that, that's okay. So but here we are and, and that's what matters. So I'm really stoked by really excited that you even want to talk to me. So. Oh, mate, no, all good, all good. Here um, we go. So, um, yeah, like I said, we're in this uh, we're in this next sort of lockdown here in Sydney. Um, what did you have coming up um, before this sort of Delta strain kicked in? And, and um, obviously, uh, has has the diary been cleared? Oh, so actually, I saw a, <laughs> an Instagram post and – You'd taken a picture of your diary for the month and it was completely blank. Yes, my yeah. I try to stay organised with my monthly calendar and I had a bit of a moment where I I cleaned it for the month and then I looked at it and I just I just cried and then I laughed and then I cried again. <laughs> and then I just, oh, well, you know what? 
this is okay. Like, you know, um, I did have stuff planned. I, I was actually planning on on moving out to um, the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, really would love to relocate up there. So that was put on hold um, and just some, you know, you know, gigs and uh, recording sessions I had booked in and that that hit me hard because I think as a result of the last lockdown, I was like, yep, you know, ready to go ahead on, you know, full steam ahead. And and I think a lot of people have felt that. And um, with the gigs being cancelled, as I explained to my friends and family who aren't musicians, mm. performing is such a part of who we are. So it's only natural that, you know, you lose a bit of that like sense of self, like what am I doing? I'm not performing. So um, it's been a bit of a rattle Um you know, as I'm sure everyone has felt that. But, um, yeah, look, I'm just trying to stay positive and um, take care of my well-being. Mm. So, um, yeah, just just really, uh, what do you call it when you just say, you just I just take it day by day at the moment. I'm not even trying to, I'm just, yeah, taking it day by day. Yeah, so if, I think um, that's been a really good mantra to mm. do at the moment. Don't you think it's, it's certainly different this time around because last year it was like nobody had been through this. No, nobody mm-hmm. knew. So at first it was like, um, okay, you know, as scary as it was and, and how devastating it was, there was still this little bit of excitement as to what was coming up and, you know, how, how we were kind of dealing with it, with it at the time. And then we all got through it, right, Yeah, to, an, yeah. to a point. And then it's back, and this time it's like it's heavier. Yeah. It's heavier, right? I I actually remember in the last lockdown, I was like recording videos mm. and like practicing and just you know trying to be really positive, stay cheerful, um, despite having lost um, work. And you know, it's not even really about you. You know what it's like. Gigs are like a social occasion as well. Mm. So not being able to see friends was just such a hit. But, yeah, this time it's like I feel all around it's a different vibe. It's a very different energy. It's a little bit more heavy energy and uh, oh, just, yeah, like I don't even know. Um, and, and, and dividing too. It's certainly dividing. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go wow. too much. In, I, I don't no, know. No, <laughs> we, we can't get political. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's definitely a different sort of vibe and, and – um. Yeah, it hit me last year. There was a there was a time during it, like at like I was saying, it was kind of a little bit of kind of excitement. But then one day it hit me really, really hard, and yeah, and it took me a little bit to come out of that. But this time yeah. it's 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 more of a like when when I had to cancel on you the other week, I was going back into that sort of little trough there. But not probably not quite as deep, and it's. I think it kind of plateaued, like down there now. So I'm just went sort of, down into I'm the hole, of, and then you just you, you just made cre- like a bed down there, and you just slept there for a bit. But you look yeah. up and you're seeing yeah. the light, and it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely something we've not navigated before, um, and um, I think we're all trying to find our way through it. I have a couple of friends that have you know, started a podcast or they've gone and got some chickens and they're doing gardening and everyone's just trying to, but then there's, you know, I know some people don't even have the energy to do that. So I think it's like, just do what's good for you and 
there's that for me, I feel the pressure to be productive. Oh, look, you've got all this time on your hands. So you should oh, really? have a. You feel the pressure? Oh, uh, maybe I just put it on myself. On yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I've got so much time on my hands. So it should be, you know, as a result, what am I going to, you know, create? And, 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 but also, just because we have the time doesn't mean we're going to feel motivated and yeah. just being okay with that. So that, that's been a little hurdle of mine to overcome. But, um, yeah, it's definitely different this time around. So um, I was actually, I've been looking forward to this podcast. Awesome. You know, like it's been a really, um, it's been a light in my week that I've been looking forward to. So. Fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so happy to have you here. All right, let's, um, let's shift. Oh, hang on. Let me, can I, let me say this. Let's pivot. Okay. <laughs> the COVID buzzword, isn't it? It's pivot. It's pivot away. Let's pivot away from the COVID thing for now, yeah. and um, let's talk about Loz Benson, her life, music, oh, drums, geez. drums, all that stuff. Let's do that. So, I feel like, do you remember that show? This is your life by Burton. Oh, it's not quite like that. There's no, no guests. I'm not letting anyone here to come in and. <laughs> You hear a voice in the background, and who's that? That's your high school music teacher. And, and <laughs> oh my god! Okay, sorry. You know, it's all good. Um, um, let's roll it right back to the beginning. So you, you were um, sorry. I I don't know this, so I'll rephrase that. Were you born in Sydney? Yeah, I was born in Sydney. Yep. Just grew, I've grown up in Wesley my whole life, and okay. Wesley is like a little bit on the bush. Yep. Um, so. I'm I'm very much uh, a nature girl and, um, yeah, grew up in Sydney and I've stayed in Wesley my whole life. <laughs> yeah, my my wife was born and, and grew up in Thornley. Uh, are you kidding me? No, nah, no. Nah. And um, wow. I can't yeah. remember the name of their street now. And then they moved to, moved over to Pent Hills. Do you know where the old Blockbuster store Oh my gosh, I used to literally live at the VHS store. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you head down that street and then down past the sports the sports fields there. My my wife they had a yeah. house sort of down down that way. I'm familiar. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I'm I'm kind of familiar with that area too. So um when was music first sort of introduced to you? Was it in the in the family, uh, your parents or um you know, musicians or I always get that question, like none of my parents play musical instruments, but they both have very eclectic music tastes. So my mum would always be like playing the radio and funny, the other day, because now I'm collecting vinyl and cassettes, I went through her old cassette collection, you know, she used to play the beach, like most of my music tastes come from my mum and dad. So, um, but no, I just, my parents were very um, good at um, seeing what I took to as a kid and I took to, you know, banging the wooden spoons on the pots and pans. So they were very um, uh, supportive and and tuned in to what I I liked and I really loved music. So that's where it started. Um, and me and my sister actually um, were both musicians and we would sing together. We have like a little band. <laughs> we had a band together called The Cover Girls and she'd sing and I'd play drums. So it was nice to have someone to play music with um, growing up as a kid. So that's that's really where it started. Um, that's like going way back and then just um, played all throughout high school and then got to year 12 and thought, gee, I really wonder if I can turn this into a career. Mm. So, um, yeah, um, and I here, guess. And here we are. Thanks for coming. Oh, Sketching yeah. Up. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's often, I often say I couldn't do anything else. Like I really think about it and I really get quite emotional about it because especially with this lockdown, you know, like questioning who I am, what am I doing with my life? What do I have to say? Where, where have I come from? Where am I going? What do I do? Going, wow, like I am a musician. This is what I do. And I don't think I could do anything else. And um yeah man that's I think I think I have like an existential crisis like at least once a day <laughs> so but 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 you, but you know like no, deep down you could you you could you could you could do or be anything you want oh yes a little, but, but a little part yeah. of that is probably denial saying no I don't want to do anything else I I, yeah. I I have to be doing this yeah And part of my, I will say, like, I owe so much to where I am today to my music teachers. Mm -hmm. Just, oh, my goodness. Just that's what I love about our community. Just the willingness to share knowledge. Um, And that's what actually, because I had such great music teachers in high school that have led me to where I am now I just want to be that for people like me, that inspiring, kooky, excited teacher, yeah. you know, that gets excited about music and nerding out on stuff. So um, I I really love what I do. And, yeah, like I said, I just couldn't do anything else. So yep. Yep. grateful that my mum let me play those pots and pans and yeah. explore <laughs> that I like, that I love playing rhythm. Yeah. Let's go, let's go back there a little bit, stay back there a little bit more. Um, was there a point where, I mean, you you sort of mentioned that mum and dad probably realised that maybe you and your sister were musicians and kind of led led you off that way. Um, was there, who, who were your first um, music teachers and, and was it, was it a musical education straight away or were you kind of left to your own resources to work uh, on those pots and pans for as long as possible? And Oh yeah, no, I had such a rich, childhood with music like me me and my cousins my um my cousin Jenna um and her sister Hannah we would get together and like like this is when we're in year four year five year six we'd get together like our parents would go over right for dinner and like you know have chats and do adult stuff play their car games and then they go okay kids go off and we'd go have jams and like We'd play Guns N' Roses and ACDC and Led Zeppelin and my sister would sing and I'd play drums and my cousins would play guitar. And it was just like that, like living that teen dream yep. of like famming. Um, But I also had like the most exceptional drum teachers in high school. I was so lucky that I, oh gosh, I just, I just looking back on those like pivotal moments, like, you know, year seven or year nine, just having Merv Dick or having Simon Cook or ha- whoever it was just really helped enrich my love of music. So I wasn't really left to my own devices. My okay, yeah. So did have a lot of outside influences guiding me along the way. So yeah. I'm so grateful because that's helped shape the musician I am today. Awesome. Who who was the first uh, besides a, a drum teacher, first drummer? that you kind of recognise. I mean, you talked about Guns N' Roses and yeah. um, were you watching videos and watching the drummer and wanting to find out who that drummer was and, yeah, was was, uh, was, was there a one like a one drummer at, at that stage? 
You know what? I so vividly remember, I'll never forget, I so I I did go through all those like 80s, 90s bands, right? All those classic ACDC type bands. But I'll never forget I was sitting in my bedroom and I was trying to relate to um this is when I yeah started growing up and started to want to know who the drummers were and like looking through all these bands and I was like oh okay that's that drummer for that band and I was like oh there's not really any like women drummers and and so when you asked me like who was the first drummer that like I kind like actually spoke to me was I remember typing into Google like female drummers <laughs> like on waiting for the internet to dial up and that's when I discovered Sheila E yep. so I discovered I know that sounds like so- she, she's actually Sheila E she's on the the latest, uh, she's on the cover of the latest Modern Drummer magazine. Did you really? know that? Yeah. No. Yeah. And see, and so it's this is a really crucial point because for me growing up, there were, and like what, let's say what I'm like, what, 12, 13, 14, at that time there were no like female, like Australian female drummers that I could look up to as role models. They were all like these like, you know, American drummers like the Cindy Blackmans and the Sheila E's and like yeah. Hannah Ford. And then I discovered Prince. But I mean, I know, you know, about the go-betweens and I know there were female drummers playing in Australia, but not like on that, like, um, you know, uh, like commercial level where yeah. it's accessible for young drummers. So, so that's when I was like, oh my gosh, like, I, wow. Oh my gosh. So there's like girls that drum and uh, okay, because this is really cool. So that means that I could do it. Um, and then that just started this whole other like discovering Cindy Blackman, discovering Lenny Kravitz, or and you know like then the drummers that they play for. So that took me down the rabbit hole again. So yeah, Cindy uh, Sheila E. Yep. And Cindy Blackman actually um, were that start for me like wow she's playing traditional grip what even is that how does she do that like what so um yeah that was the start of me getting really nerdy into (laughs) that kind of stuff you know that 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 moment where you go from listening to the bands and liking the music and to like you know oh I want to get their first record or first album and know all the musicians names and that was the point for me um so yeah that's cool Speaking of Sydney Blackman, did you go and see her um, drum clinic? What well, was with Dennis Chambers, Cindy Blackman, and the, I the, think two, I the two percussionists from Santana? Because Santana was in town. Yes, yes, I did. did you? Yeah, it was yes. awesome. Hey, good night. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. Cindy, <laughs> Cindy came on. She played first. No, no, the, no. The percussionists played first, and then Cindy came on and just. Blew everyone away, and then of course Dennis. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. Top city, and I actually remember. I remember seeing. I've I saw Sheila E at the basement. I remember like sitting in the front row, and she was like there with a drum kit, and I was like yep. fangirling. She looked incredible. She sounded incredible. Yep. And um, and then went to like other workshop workshops of hers, and saw her play the timbales. And I was mm. like, oh my gosh, this woman. She sings. She writes. She plays. Oh my gosh, yep. that's what I want to do. To see someone so accomplished, yeah, um, and, and, a, and a band and a band leader too, yeah, just, yeah, uh, just phenomenal. And the amount of videos that I've watched where I've literally studied, like her 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 stagecraft is phenomenal. Like, mm. oh my god, <laughs> I think maybe that's just a, a fantasy of mine to like 
have those moves, but it's I just love watching those those videos where they really put so much effort into the shows and oh there eh, anyway, but that's that's another um whole whole thing. So yeah, um good stuff. Okay. So Cindy Blackman, Sheila Ree, they were the the first sort of uh commercial type American drummers. Um, role models, role yeah. Model, role, sorry, role models. Um, so did you try and seek out the Australian versions of, of those or, or yeah. is it more more retrospective? I, I think, yeah, definitely the latter. I think, yep. um, gosh, but, you know, but I, but I did discover like on my, yeah. So I, I, I just remember I couldn't really find any, like I know the go-betweens were around, but I don't think I would have been into that music at the time for being so young. But yep. I did. But then I went and found like you know the girl bands like Cherry. I'm not sorry, not Cherry Bomb. Um, oh my gosh, what's that band called? Um, with um Cherie and uh the, the the Runaways. Am I getting that right? Is it the Runaways? Oh my gosh, no. What's that band called? Um, the all girl band. Yeah, it's the Runaways. The Runaways. Yeah. Yeah, wow, my memory is terrible. Um, sometimes I have a gold uh, memory like a goldfish. I have a, but my original point was um, that as a result of discovering those female um, drummers, that's when I started um, finding these female bands and again yeah. curating the style of music that I'm into, which is well, it crosses a lot of genres now. But mm. um, yeah, just again another band that I just shaped my style so much. So. Um, Anyway, back to your sorry original question. Didn't mean to go down that rabbit no, hole. No, 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 it's all good. Go, go wherever you like. It's all good. Yeah, we're, we're just riffing, man. We're riffing. All right, so let's talk about yeah your music teachers, your your drum teachers. Yeah, so I really owe so much to my drum teachers. Um, just because now I'm a teacher, and sometimes I know it's hard to turn up and teach kids and be excited for every single one and I want to make such an impact on them. So I really look back now and go, wow, my drum teachers like really helped me. So um, I had a great drum teacher called Merv Dick who actually used to play in the Deltones mm. um, and his drumming style on me really led me into like the rockabilly world and like that just kind of straight ahead 1950s, you know, you, your role in the band is just to be a piece of the puzzle and like lay down that groove. And um, and I had another great drum teacher called Simon Cook, who was just, you know, every single lesson, G'day Lazo, how you going today? Come like so happy. And it just rubbed off on me because I I want to do that for my students and mm. get them excited. Like, what do you want to do? Like, what excites you? Like, what music do you love? Okay if you really, really want to play that Guns N' Roses song, you might like, you know, Van Halen or, you know, you like The Doors. Okay, let's look at John Desmore or getting the kids to, like, getting my kids to, to name the drummers. Mm. Like, I know you like Jimi Hendrix, but, like, who's the drummer and what what is he primarily using in all of his playing and doing case studies of his fills and chops and transcribing. So my teachers were really influential in high school and then, moving out of high school and going and studying at the con, you know, learning from Andrew um, for, for about three years um, and then learning from Simon Barker 
and Dave Goodman, again, just so much respect for um, these drummers and their, um, you know, you can be a great drummer, but it's another thing to be an exceptional teacher. So I just um, want to, every time I teach, I just think of those teachers and the impact that they had on me and think, okay, like I could make this one lesson with this kid, like I could change their life. And um, it's kind of profound when you think about that. So it it really gives gives meaning. So yeah, um, I'm very um, thankful for my teachers and wouldn't be where I am today without them. Yeah, cool. You mentioned early on too, um, you know, going through high school, you made that decision that you wanted to to make music your life. Was there a was there a moment? Did you did you have a moment, or was it kind of just lead up to that? I think I always knew, and as as you get towards your eleven and twelve, and you're doing your HSC, and they're encouraging you to like you know think about what you want to do and. Some people don't know what they want to do. Some people want to do a gap year. I knew exactly what I wanted to do, which was to study music. And at the time, I think the only courses available were like, um, I really wanted to challenge myself. Mm. And so I auditioned for, you know, like, yeah, a couple of those courses. But um, I just thought is that was the way to do it. And I know that there's lots of musicians that haven't, you don't need to go to university to like be a successful musician. But at the time Mm. I was like, Oh, you can go and study jazz. Okay. Well, I guess I'll, I'll do that. Um, And (laughs) just like remembering the way that I played jazz for my audition, it was so horrible. I think I played it like a rock beat, (laughs) like, (laughs) like, like, yeah, yeah. Or on the because I'd come from listening to like you know all those rock bands, so yeah. they really uh <laughs> they really did um polish me up there at the cons. So um, but that was a great experience. So yeah, and then after that, just going, wow, gigs, I can earn money from doing this. Oh my yeah. gosh, it's a, a whole new world. So <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, so, so you so you um had you not played gigs until until you went to the con and yeah, so it's like I finished school because, you know, like, yeah, I started doing my first gigs when I was like 17, 18. Um, so that's, I guess, when I left school. So le- so I left school and went directly to university and then obviously started doing gigs whilst at uni. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, so so when you <clears throat> were looking for that music course to do and, and you found that the Condor Jazz course, were you kind of – were you kind of up on jazz at that stage? No, yes, no? Um, no, I wasn't. And and truth be told, you know, to or like I auditioned at like um, AIM and uh, what's the other one? University of New South Wales. And like some of the audition pieces were like, can you play a rock beat? Great, here's a scholarship. You know, like for oh, the con. Shit. Well, I think at that time I think it was the, the standard was, I don't know, the the, the bar was low to get into some of these places. And so I thought, well, if I want to become like a good musician, the con was the only place that I thought was going to challenge me. I didn't really know much about jazz, yep. but I loved the style. Like I'd come, you know, I really loved rockabilly and, um, you know, come from like listening to 60s, 70s music. And if you think about the drummers from that time, like Ginger Baker, mm. like he was basically a jazz drummer. So 
it kind of happened backwards. It's like I discovered jazz later. So, um, yep. yeah, when I when I started out at the con, I definitely was like ding, ding, da, ding, ding, and like two and four on the <laughs> snare, and like four on the floor, kick drum. Yep. All at the same velocity, eh? Ting, oh, yeah. tack, ding, tack, yes. ding. That was me, my friend. Yep, I think that's everybody. <laughs> yeah, and so, and I, I, I was so happy because I, I remember, I think I was like the third girl that they put through and, um, you know, it was really hard being like the only girl in like a year of 30 boys. And, but I, I had, you know, and Angie was an exceptional teacher. And um, that, that's Andrew Dixon, by the way. Yep. Uh, yes. Yep. Yes. And I bought my first drum kit. Uh, I've got my little Gretsch in my room that I bought from Andrew. Cool. And um, I, I really love, I, I do, there is a place in my heart for jazz. I don't play it as much anymore, but it definitely gave me that great technical foundation, like transcribing and playing big band. And, and now that I'm going back and going, my favorite drummers now are Ginger Baker mm. and like try just laying down like those, those grooves, the jazz stuff does come in handy. So mm. Look, at the time, the jazz course was the only thing that was probably going to, like, challenge me as a musician in terms of going to university university and studying and getting a degree in mm-hmm. inverted commas because, as we all know, you don't need a degree to, you know, like, play music. But I think, um, you know, I, I really do love that study aspect of it. So, mm. um and I always thought that I'd go to Berkeley or like go to New York because that's what everyone would do when they went to the con. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go to New York, but I didn't end up doing that. So, okay. um, but yeah, it's a whole, uh, it's, a, it's a, it's a whole thing that the con and I've got some great friends because of it. So mm. yeah. Mm. So you mentioned the degree there. So is that initially, is that why you, you went into it was to get a degree and then did you have in your head that once I've got the degree, that'll take me to step B or I think it was just finishing school not knowing like where to like okay I want to play music but uh do I just go out and play in a band or like Mm. how am I gonna be you know I think I knew then to be like a female musician I really needed to be good to be taken seriously Mm. and so I think at that time the con was one of those places that was like you get you go to the con it's hard to get in so you're good and it's got a good reputation so for me it was a way of 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 wanting people to like take me seriously because it was a serious you know four-year course and it was hard to get in so I think I mean now um I just do I primarily you know I'm a session musician and I do a lot of gigs um the degree the degree has helped in getting some teaching jobs and Mm -hmm. um but um, like I, I just turned 30 this year. So being reflective on it, mm. um, I'm very gr- glad that I went to uni, but I also know that um, my life would have maybe taken a different trajectory if I, if I didn't because, oh, my gosh, like look at Chris Chaney from The Living End. He didn't go to uni. Mm. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think everyone's different and, and everyone wants different things. Some people don't want to study music and mm. um my advice now to anyone that that I'm teaching that wants that asks me, should I go to uni? I always just ask them, like, is there a teacher out there that you would really love to learn from? And why don't you just go get some lessons from them and and then decide why do you want the bachelor or why do you want to actually study? Is it just something to do or is it something you really love? Like, 
there's so many options now. But with but with the COVID, I don't know if we'll be traveling for a while. So um, you know, gosh, I yeah, like I don't know what that's gonna look like for the next generation who wanna um study um overseas. Um mm. I always thought I'd maybe I'd go to Nashville and study there, but um gee whiz, that's definitely gonna change the way um our our industry operates. Like mm. oh, I don't even want to think about it. Oh my gosh. Mm. But I mean you said it, you're only thirty. <laughs> so I think you I think you're right. You'll be good. You'll still get to Nashville. Oh, you'll still I feel hey, mate. So <laughs> Um all right, let's talk about um bands, playing in bands now and um some of those first bands that you're in and, and what kind of music you're playing and where were you playing and, and talk about some of those experiences. Okay. Um, well, I guess coming out of high school, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I had a band with my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, we were played with um, the, the John Hardiker direction. Yeah, yep, so yep. it was like this like Okay, well, let, let, me, let me stop, stop you there. That's when I first heard about you. Oh really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's like ages ago. That's yeah, I know, like... I know. Um, wow. I remember seeing. I think it was a post. Um, someone was talking about shuffles, and John, John mentioned something about. You know, you, you, nobody plays a, a shuffle like Los Benson plays a shuffle. What? Yeah, wow. and, th- and then and then it wasn't too long after that. I think he posted a video of you playing, playing a shuffle. So that was when I first that's that's the moment I first heard about you. So, Can I just tell you something? Yeah. I rocked up to big band one year at the con and I had to play shuffle. Yep. And Dave Paniki was leading the band. And for some reason, maybe I was in first year. I couldn't play a shuffle yet. And you know that Oh my gosh, I'll never forget it because it's literally like that movie Whiplash. He was like at the end of the session, he was like do not come back here until you can play a shuffle. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, oh, my gosh. So because it's 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 the left hand. It's the, Look, I don't need to go on what a shuffle is and how to play it. But for John to say that, I was like, oh, my gosh. Because yeah. I went away and, like, worked on that shuffle. And I actually really love playing um, shuffles now. So that's so funny that you bring that up. Um, yep. Because that was such a pivotal uh, – another – little moment in my life you know just like like someone will say something and then you go away and you're like oh my god that literally defined me because i went away <laughs> yeah, i'm gonna learn sure. how to play yep. a mother flipping shuffle. yeah and that's it's not dissimilar to the jeff Picaro story as well because jeff Picaro couldn't play a shuffle and and that's one of the things he's renowned for now oh crazy right you know and he um we did a um jeff Picaro spotlight podcast a couple of years ago and um, yeah. Louis Sheldon, the guitarist, was was on, and he was telling some stories about Jeff and and some of those early days where, yeah, he he couldn't play a shuffle, and yeah. he he would get up in the middle of a session and go, I I, I can't do this, get Keltner, <laughs> get oh Jim, no way, yeah yeah, get this. and then he'd go away and he'd learn it and. It is an intricate thing. It's yep. like I, that's what I love about it because it's like. You you look at the groove on paper and it looks like a it's like a simple thing but it's like it's the it's the groove it's the touch it's the tone it's where you put the backbeat and then there's it's the and, the the flow um- and yep and then there's the umbrella of shuffles which type of shuffle <laughs> 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 like stylistically it's yep. 
great um, rabbit hole to go down. So that's so crazy. So that would have been when I was, I started playing gigs with John when I was like 17, 18. Okay. Um, so that was a while ago. Wow. Mm. There you go. Mm. Okay. So, yep. Uh, band, band with your sister. Um, and now you get into, you get into the con um, did you start playing in bands? Cause yeah, I've heard stories of musicians that played at the con, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, where they'd form little trios and duos and just go off and go off and play mm-hmm. and then come back and study together. So what, was that a situation like that for you or were you finding bands outside of that? Yeah, I think I was a little bit of a black sheep at the con because I was like really into rockabilly and I, you know, come from listening to My Chemical Romance and these rock bands and, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I just, I feel like, and also like there is a big, there was a big drinking culture when I was at uni and I just didn't really go out that much. I'm a very big introvert and so you know, I was off just forming my own little groups and like, yeah, so I've joined this rockabilly band called Dirty Lindy and um, and joined the John Hardiker direction, which is like, you know, this funk thing. And mm. as far as playing jazz, I just really went to uni and studied jazz, but I didn't, um, I think maybe I tried putting my trio together once when I was trying to decide what kind of music I liked, but um, yeah, just kind of, um Oh gosh, was in all sorts of random bands, you know, mm. like this blues rock band called the Darkened Seas. I, you know, made another band with a friend, uh, with some friends called Professor. Just like a bunch of random bands that you know, just kind of um, that I'm not in anymore, obviously. But um, yeah, I think things really um, kicked off for me after I left uni and. Um, got more experienced and then started doing like more session work. So I've always been on that like session musician slash songwriter creating music. I mean, that's what I'm doing now and that's what I want to do with my life, like create music and, and be the songwriter and song, um, yeah, uh, yeah, lyricist. So I guess, um, yeah, while I was at uni, I just, um, it's just off doing my, I actually played a lot of like heavy rock. In fact, because I remember I really stuffed my wrist because I was smashing the cymbals so hard. And I, because I, I was playing rock, I was using like jazz cymbals on these rock gigs and they'd come back with holes in them. And everyone's like, what are you doing to your cymbals? <laughs> like, um, so, um, yeah, I felt like I was going to uni and studying jazz. And I was like rebelling and going and playing rock music and music that only has four chords. Oh my gosh, like because it can be a bit elitist sometimes. So, but um, yeah, look, again, in my last year of uni, I got to learn from Simon Barker, and, and that was he really encouraged me. That's when we started having the conversation about okay, so you're here studying jazz, but what style of music do you really love to play? Like, who are you? What, what does Los Benson have to say? What's your style? What's your sound? I know you're transcribing Tony Williams and Art Blakey, but what do you want to say? And, and that was great. And then that that's when I started, yeah, left uni and started like figuring out what my sound was and 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 then even started singing because I was like, oh, I kind of like singing and playing drums, you know. So that was the start of that little journey. So I have Simon to thank for that. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, it did take me a little longer to finish uni though because I struggled with the ear training, so that was a hard part of it. But um, nonetheless, very essential. 
But oh, that was that well, was so really go, go into that a little bit then for the people that don't understand the air training. So what was that? Um. So yeah, a part of the course is you study. Uh, or like oral skills. So like identifying chords, like major, minor, diminished, seventh, blah, 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 augmented. And then you might do like listening exercises where you identify tone rows. So it's basically like, um, yeah, training your ear to like, yeah, stuff um, like chord progressions and all that. So um, because I'm a, uh, yeah, I don't want to say because I'm a drummer because I don't, that's giving myself an excuse um, because I'm a musician. Um, (laughs) But um, uh, I think a lot of drummers struggled because we don't really, you know, I didn't go in with like a must piano skills. I went in knowing what major and minor chords were. <laughs> so mm. it just, uh, it, it, a part of doing the degree, it was essential that you did that. And you know what, looking back, I'm really grateful that I did because now I do play piano and songwrite and it's it's been a really helpful tool in helping um, me become a better musician holistically. So mm. So, because yeah. you, yeah, like you said, you do play piano now. Um, did you <clears throat> play any sort of um, piano or, you know, melodic harmonic instruments before you went to uni or was it only drums? Oh, uh, I, I did a little bit of piano. Like I've got up to grade three, but nothing okay. prolific, you know, so it did help a little bit, but yep. it was just drums. Yep. Just, yeah. For, for a long time and and now oh my gosh I can't get enough instruments I mean I don't know if you've seen <laughs> oh yeah oh, I go, something I've new gone. something new every week it's awesome <laughs> my brain's hey. broken <laughs> it's, it's no no it's fantastic it really really is but, good but I have a confession mm. it's so embarrassing for all the instruments that I love to play I've got my auto harp and my dulcimer and the piano and I've got uh, all these other random things like my guitar I just have never been able to really conquer like instruments that go um, horizontal, like so bass, guitar, banjo, like I just can't do it, but I can play drums and do like, I don't know, wait, wait, when I say horizontal, I mean like horizontal and on the side. Does that even make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. I don't know if it's my hands. I don't really know. Anyway, so, um, but yeah, see, I love to play banjo. That, that's so interesting. That's interesting. I don't know, my brain, something's gone on there. <laughs> Um, so you sing it, yeah, because you, you sing, you, I do, yeah. and you said early on that, you, you know, you would sing with your sister. Um, did you find that, did you find singing easy? Do you find singing easy? Um, do you also, oh, and then saying that, um, if you don't, do you work at it? Do you, do you practice your singing in regards to like learning scales or do you just, you just sing songs? No, I did. I, it's funny. I remember telling my mom, she was like, you should try singing and playing mums. I was like, don't be bloody ridiculous. No one sings and <laughs> plays the drums and I'm never going to do it. <laughs> and here I am singing and playing drums. Um, but no, I, um, my sister was always the singer in the family and she has an incredible voice. Yep. She's got like this Adele Ella Fitzgerald voice. So I was never knew where I fitted with my voice. I had no idea what style it was. It's only recently and even now, like right now, because I'm working on an EP, I'm like discovering what my voice does. Mm. What, what it, so, um, yeah, but I have worked on it. And as I've gotten older and gotten more, you know, opportunities, uh, you know, not just as a drummer, like 
singing backing vocals for John Butler, uh, I had to actually learn how to you know, take care of my voice and learn how to warm up. And because I hadn't had that, I, I'd been, you know, trained on the drums, but not on the, on not on vocals. It's just something that I just did, you know, just never really had that proper training. So it's just something that's been organic and, um, yeah, it's taken me a while to find that that voice. And um, I think part of my journey with singing has also helped um, with me coming out of my shell and being more outspoken and assertive. Um, so I'm not as shy as I used to be. And I think maybe that's the reason why I didn't sing as much as well. But um, yeah, um, I guess um, I, do, I do now try and sing scales and learn songs and mm. Um, treat my vocal cords a little bit better than mm. I used to. Mm. So, um, yeah, interesting question though because um, I know some people it just comes naturally, but the thing that I like about singing and playing drums is when I sing and play drums, there's a lot more space in my playing yeah. to allow for the melody. That's why some of the great drummers like Levon Helm and, um, uh, I mean, gosh, even look at like now, like Anderson Pack, like incredible drummer, incredible singer. It's like, uh, you know, the game's changing all the time. But um, there is something to be said for for drummers that sing and play, and and even then, looking at their songwriting style, it's like really interesting. I really want someone to do like a case study on like, you know, <laughs> um, drummers that do songwriting because there's just been so many great hits written by. Well, write write that down because you've got time. So oh, the- <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. you, you've got a month. Yeah. You, you've got a month. There you go. Yes. That's that's one of my goals, actually. <laughs> I was, yes, it's it's one of my goals. So, well, because I'm actually thinking now about like my career and having a sustainable career. What if I'm not always going to be able to perform? Mm. What is going to be sustainable? Well, you know, having some royalties from songs coming in and I don't have that at the moment. So that's why I'm like, oh, I'm going to try and write a song. Well, I've got time now to give that a crack so yeah yeah cool yeah you mentioned John Butler and I was going to get into that a little bit later so how did that opportunity come about um I think for a couple of years I was just doing my thing playing in my like country I have like I had like a band called that redhead so Mm -hmm. I just I'd been playing with that for a while and I put some videos up on YouTube and you know, through meeting, you know, some of my friends. Um, one of my good friends was Cat Hunter, um, who's another drummer. And, you know, you just, you meet people, you network. And you know how sometimes someone gets offered to do a gig, but they can't do it. So they might recommend you. I think that was the case. And I know that John was looking for a backing vocalist, but he wanted a backing vocalist that could play um, like uh, percussion and tuned percussion. Um, because, um, you know, I, I mean, yeah, you'd think it's easy to play a tambourine, but there are some singers that just can't sing and then play a tambourine in time or hit a drum in time, or just like that, they're incredible vocalists. Um, but they're, they're just, they're very, to to multitask. So, so he was looking for someone that could do both. And I think my name just, someone said, oh yeah, Loz plays drums and she sings, and then he just checked some of my videos out on YouTube and I got a call from him while I was at Tamworth Country Music Festival. Like it was so hot out in the middle of no, like in Tamworth. And I just get this call from John Butler. Oh, and I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> I was just 
met you, but I was like, saw your videos and I was like, oh my gosh. Um, he's like, would you like to, because I'm looking for someone that can sing and play some percussion. Would you be interested? And I was like, ah, uh, hell yeah. <laughs> um, little did I know that would change my life forever. Yeah. Um, that the touring experience, uh, you know, changed who I, who I am as a person and just give me a whole bunch of skill set that, I mean, it was my first tour, so mm. oh my gosh! But that's an, another can of of worms. Um, so, but yeah, um, that that was just a word of mouth opportunity, and I'm very very lucky to have gotten that opportunity. So, mm. as you know, sometimes it's about being in the right place at the right time, being and being lucky. And um, I think it was just one of those things. Just mm. got lucky. Mm. So from that point, then <clears throat> was it like like you? He asks you and you say, yep, yeah, I'm keen. What happens from there? Does he say, okay, I need you at, at a rehearsal? Because he's in, is he in Western Australia? Did That's you ha- correct. Did you, have to, did you have to fly out there? And... Yeah, so yeah. we, um, before the first tour, um, I remember we did two weeks of rehearsal where we'd go 10 till 6 p.m., Monday till Saturday. We'd, we, yeah, we'd do like six days a week of just rehearsing the songs mm-hmm. and getting the, because he, he had his trio and then he had, he added two extra musicians on. So he was kind of doing, trying a different band out for his new album that had extra instruments, vocals on it. So it was then the John Butler trio plus. So um, yeah, went over there. Uh, I did find it grueling at first because I, my concert, it was really hard to concentrate, but then um, yeah, it got easier and learned to love rehearsing and um, got into a bit of a flow. And then, yeah, then went went on a first tour, which I think was like three. Oh, I, can't even see, I can't even remember. <laughs> it just goes so fast. But, um, yeah, definitely uh, took me from like here to here in so many different ways. Like musically, um, I have a lot of respect for John as a musician. He was very... Um, tuned into the sound of what he wanted down to like, you know, yeah, like um, down to like a shaker, you know, the accents on the shaker in a song, which, uh, yeah, it was it was great to work with a musician mm. that had that scope and paid that much attention. And then, yeah, it just was, you know, really, really, um, really inspiring person and his story um, hearing his stories about um, where he came from as a musician, you know, hearing, oh, my gosh, like I didn't even think Zebra was going to go on the album. I didn't think it was a, you know, good song. And my and then my manager put it on at the last minute type thing and look, let me look how that turned out for him. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but that definitely took my musician, my, my yeah, musicianship skills, um, took that up because, uh, yeah, we were doing shows every night and I had to look after my voice. and. Yeah, it gave me a lot of gave me a lot of um new skills. So definitely a, a big opportunity in my life. Mm. So that's cool. Now during that <laughs> during that time, you started a blog. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yes, so oh yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I think you've... I tried to start a blog. It tormented yeah. me. Okay. Because I yeah. oh god, so you go. No, no, I was going to say. Well, we're talking about it. So you you tell us about it. It's a it's a it's still there, by the way, and I'll put a link oh, to it. Oh, I know, it's still there. I'm so embarrassed. No, because when I was on the road, because it was my first tour, I had a real 
my men, I struggled so much with my mental health because I'd never been on tour where you just, you go on tour and your job is that you just play the gig every night. And I was so wound up on like, I've got to be, I've got to be productive while I'll be on tour. Like I've got to be writing or doing something. So the blog came out of me wanting to like, you know, look after myself, like, because it was my, my first tour, I had no idea what the freaking heck to expect. I'd mm. never slept on a bus before. Um, like, and so the, the blog really, like, I, I kind of wanted, I kind of wanted to write a book about it and like, be like, you know, touring tips one-on-one because, um, you know, no one can prepare you for your first tour and you kind of just have to experience it. But I think I just really, it really hit me hard um, for like a, many different reasons. But the the blog came out of, um, yeah, wanting to ask people how, how they do it. So I did, in, in, you know, end up interviewing people like Paul Kelly and Jim McGinney and they have a lot of experience touring and just getting their tips on like, I don't know how they look after themselves while they're on the road because uh, it's just such an unnatural random thing that we do, like going on tour, living in a bus for three months and being in a city, a different city every single night. And um, it was a, it was a brand new thing for me. So the blog was there to help me process what I was going through mm. as well as hoping. But look, I, yeah. And then I kind of just stopped doing it because um, I don't know if you've noticed, but I tend to start a lot of projects. And then I'll move on to something else. So, I mean, right now I'm working on something entirely different. Um, but, you know, I guess as a creative person, you just have so many different ideas. But now I'm trying to have tunnel vision and focus. So, but yes, the, the blog is still there. If yep. you want to check it out, it's uh, touring, a lifestyle, a guide to well-being on the road. <laughs> it's so corny, <laughs> oh man. Wow. Oh, gosh. That's anyway, cool. that's there. Yeah, I mean, you just mentioned you, you you do start these projects and don't finish them, but I mean, as far as, well, you know, from what I see, um, they still seem active. You know, it's not like you've gone, well, this is finished, but it's still there. Now this thing's finished. It's just there. They're there. They're just ongoing things, and the cool thing about that is you can always go back to them. Eh? They're always there. Yeah. And you know what? It's part of the journey. You know, if I didn't do all the, you know, step A, B, C, well, I wouldn't be at D and that's where I'm at now. So, you know, it's all part of the creative process. So yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, you, you only being 30 years old and having already got all those projects under your belt. I mean, I think it's fantastic. And you, you're still, still being, being creative, you know, it's, it's great. Is there a, um, is there a time of the day or, or something you're doing, like are you walking or are you exercising or something where you get these creative ideas to start something new or is it just random? No, I, I definitely try and create an environment in which I am inspired. So like, yep. my, like at the moment I'm in very much a bit of a 60s, 70s world. Yep. So I'm listening to lots of vinyl um, and um, trying to put myself in a place where I'm inspired to get those ideas. Uh, but, you know, I don't even know if that makes sense. Um, yeah, creating the environment in which to be creative, but then, um, kind yeah, of, like. Kind of living, living that living that life in the, in the meantime. Living I, in the seventies. Yeah. yeah so you. like, you know, six months ago, uh, I was in, you know, outlaw cowboy country land writing about Ned Kelly and, you know, wanting to be a cowboy and like 
you know, Benson and the Outlaws. And, and now I'm in a completely different headspace. Like I've gone deep into the world of Ginger Baker and Cream and I'm working on this project called Ginger Jones and I'm like this alter ego, like, you know, groovy 60s chick that wants to write psychedelic cosmic bangers. And so I'm, <laughs> I, I, well, you know, life is short. Hashtag yeah. your so, oh, sorry, it's not just millennial. Um, so, um, but, but that goes for like my mental health as well. It's like yeah. if I can create, like if my body and brain is in a really good space and I've gone for my walk and I've had my bath and I've eaten breakfast, that's going to help me be in a space to create and even receive those ideas. Whereas if I'm tired and emotional and I'm underslept and not eating well and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, and by the way, it's so okay to to do that. I just think if we're talking specifically about creating and getting those ideas, mm. I get those ideas better when I'm taking care of myself and my space is, you know, inspiring. So putting on the record, burning incense and try and, and trying to write songs that I think people will, you know, will relate to because they can resonate with them. So um yeah. Um, that that's where I'm at at the moment. So, um, but I get inspiration and ideas from everything. Like I went on a walk today and a, a little sentence will just come to me. Um, as I'm sure, you know, it's just sometimes the, the most randomest thing will inspire you or give you an idea. So actually on that topic, I, I love this, this story of, um, like even what, what band is it? Um, is it, uh Steven Tyler Aerosmith like even for them you know sometimes when you're not motivated sometimes you don't the ideas don't just come to you but I think they had a session each week and it was like the bad ideas section or something and they they'd rock up and be like okay throw your most dumbest lyric or if you've got a shit song idea don't worry about it even if you think it's so silly let's just say it because often you know that it would turn into something. And one of the guys was like, oh, I've got this line. It's a bit silly. And they're like, okay, cool. What is it? And he's like, oh, it's dude looks like a lady. And then that turned into dude looks like a lady. So I think it's just about like not being scared. I'm trying to not be scared of my silly, wacky, kooky ideas. Now I'm like, oh, that could actually be a song. So I just try and think of that little story. And um, no idea is too silly, I guess. So tell us about, uh, Ginger Jones then. So what's, the, okay. what's, what's this new, new thing? I'm so excited. Cool. Um, so Ginger Jones is again, a result of my journey. Like everything we've just spoken about, like just, yeah. I mean, even just turning 30 as well. Like I'm like, what's, what music do I want to write? What I want to say, what do I have to say? what do I want to write about? Like who are the great songwriters and what do they write about? And so Ginger Jones is, um, yeah, this, in all my projects, I like to be a character. Um, so like in Benson and the Outlaws, I'm like this outlaw ranger called Benson. And, and in my rockabilly band, it's that redhead, just like this, you know, drummer that plays rockabilly. And, um, oh, and oh, Ginger- Hang on, let me add, and then the, the Kita Cowgirl. Oh, yes. Thank you. See, I, yep. oh, I've got so many bloody alter egos. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the Kitar Cowgirl yeah. is just like this chick that loves naff 80s music and also wants to play like the Kitar. Like, oh, my gosh, like how ridiculous. I think it's like I'm so embarrassed, like me being me. It's like I create a character so I can shift 
the embarrassment on, okay, well, <laughs> when I'm a cowgirl, it's okay. Like, it's, I don't even know. So, so, yeah. so Ginger Jones is this name that I've come up with, which is, you know, I've got ginger hair and one of my favourite drummers is Ginger Baker. And so the idea is that it's like Ginger Baker on drums, but it sounds like Robert Plant meets Shania Twain. So I just want to, I'm, I'm currently writing an EP. Uh, well, uh, when I say writing an EP, I mean like I am, that's what I'm doing with my lockdown. I'm trying to write songs and I've done a little bit of co-writing with Jim McGinney from Midnight Oil, which he's a freaking legend um, and, you know, helping me explore what my voice does. What do I sound like with flange on my vocals and the drums? And so that's my when I come out of lockdown and, and things go back to normal, hopefully what you will see is me doing gigs with Ginger Jones um, and I don't know, like um, just, yeah, um, and probably um, I just I just hope that, oh, gosh, I, if I think about it too much, I do get a little bit down, but I don't want to think about it, but just the uh, future of our, our live music and gigs and, you know, our ability to not only, like, perform but, you know, really earn a living from it. So I'm very lucky I'm doing teaching at the moment. So while we're in lockdown, I'm just writing, uh, trying to experiment. I looked on e on uh, Facebook Marketplace the other day and I was thinking of getting one of those. It's like a four-track recorder thing and you put it on. It's like the old school thing hey, where you, on, like, wait, record. Wait, wait, right there. I'm going to show you something. Oh, my gosh, No. Don't. Uh, hang on. No. What? No. <laughs> no. With the cassette. No. This is ridiculous. Okay. This is. Yeah. That's that's my. Sorry. It's an audio podcast. People have no idea what just happened then, but um, I'm holding up a Tascam <gasps> oh four track, and um, oh, wow. I've, oh I reckon God. I've written a hundred songs on that thing. Oh my gosh. And it, it doesn't it doesn't bounce. Tra- oh, oh, it's still got a cassette in it. Look, oh, it's oh got a demo. It's got demos in it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that for you. That's so exciting. Wait, I'm, did it still work? Yeah. Well, I'm going to leave it out and I'm going to test it tomorrow. So yes, you better. <laughs> Don't you dare throw that out. Yeah. And if you ever think of throwing it out, please send it to me. Okay. Because this is the thing. Like, it's about in terms of like being authentic and genuine. I was like, what? I don't. I mean, I don't even know how to use Pro Tools, but I was like, I want to, I want to get in there and do it on a cassette, make demos on what you just held up. I'm, yep. I'm literally looking at at the moment on Facebook Marketplace because I would love to buy one and, right. and do that and just learn like that's, you know, in how, like how to spend a lockdown, like fiddling around with one of those things. Yep. Um, you know, will probably do anyone a lot of good. <laughs> so, um, so, so what I was saying about, um, because some of the, some of the, um. The later four tracks, you can bounce from one track to another, so you can end up with essentially eight tracks. You, you know, you've got two tracks bounced down to one. This doesn't yeah. do that. It's only straight okay. up, straight up four tracks. So what I used Ooh, to do, interesting. Okay. So I used to have, um, I'd have to have my acoustic guitar and my vocal on one track, and and yeah. I'd have to do it in one take. So I'd have to play, <laughs> I'd have to play guitar and sing, right. Um, for drums, I've got a, I've got a Doctor Rhythm drum machine somewhere under there as well. <laughs> so that was my drums. I used to, it was just a really simple looped beat. Wow! And then I would put my bass guitar on there, and that would be my harmony vocal. 
So wow. there's, the four, there's the four tracks. I've got probably a hundred odd songs with that type of format, you know. Um, that is mad. But it really teaches you to, for one, it's about performance, to be able to play an instrument and sing at the same time and um, and just let shit fly. It doesn't have to be perfect, you know. <laughs> wow, that's just, yeah, yeah I, I was not expecting you to pull that out. That, I was <laughs> not prepared for that. That's so cool. Well, I mean, it, and you know, as you can see, it hasn't been out for a long time. There's a lot of dust on it, so I'm gonna, yeah, yeah I'm gonna dust it but off that, and, and see if it still works. And that's the thing that I love, like getting in the world of Ginger Jones. You know, I also bought like this really cute retro cassette player off of, like, Facebook Marketplace the other mm. day, and just like recreating again that environment, like getting some orange chairs, and yep. you know, um, oh, you know what threw me, what threw me back was one of your videos where you've got the containers with the the star-shaped lids. I mean, that's my Everyone gra- says it's that. It's like my grandma's house, you know? My dream is <laughs> to have, like, everything will be orange and mission brown. Because yep. I just, I love, I just, I don't know what it is about that era, like that retro, like, 70s era. Mm. The, uh, the Tupperware, I think it was. The Tupperware, um, yeah. yeah. Yep. So... And again, because I was, you know, wanting to move out before lockdown, I was like trying to accumulate a couple of household items. So, um, but yeah, I, you know what, when I've got those containers, those orange containers, I also got like some cute, like seventies, um, towels and, um, mugs and placemats and just, it's all orange. It's all, Mm. it's horribly orange, but, um, yeah, that, well, that's really good because I, it's nostalgic. It's, Mm. it's kind of. It take, takes you back, and it takes me back too because my grandma used to have those containers and, you know, she'd fill them with hot. And I'll never forget, I'm like, why do you think dates are so exciting, like dates and sultanas, and that would be our treat. And I'm, I would always be like, oh, this is just in those orange containers. Well, they, no they, were, the bis- they were the biscuit containers for us. Yeah, uh, yeah and <laughs> she, had, she had different sizes. So, like, the shortbread biscuits would be in the shorter ones. Oh, that's The cute. homemade um, uh Anzac or Afghan biscuits would be in the bigger one. So we'd know. We'd know what's in yeah. there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. There you go. Mm. Gosh. I reckon it's it's awesome. It's inspiring that, yeah, that you basically um, live that era almost. You create that era and that environment for yourself to, to create that specific thing. And then you, yeah, once you've done that, you move on to the next thing. It's I think it's great. Awesome. Well, it's one way of doing it, yeah. you know, and gosh, I don't know. I mean, look, it's, I mean, you can, you can dress your room up to look seventies, but I mean, look, I guess uh, it's something that helps me. So, um, and all my favorite bands are from that time, you know, the ones that I'm listening to and even the drummers that I'm listening to and what they're doing, like with, you know, John Desmore and, um, Ringo. So yeah, look, I, it's, it's, that's what I'm into at the moment. So, um, We'll see what what comes from that um, at the end of the year. Goodness me, well, what would I? Yeah, maybe at the end of the year, um, I'll I'll have an EP out and be doing some shows. But right now, I'm just in the writing phase. So awesome, yeah. Awesome. Let's go back to drums. Um, you know, obviously, first instrument that was the passion, and then you started, you know, finding these other instruments and getting into them. 
these days, how much time do you spend on drums? Do you still go back to them? Do you still practice? Do you? Yeah, look, there was a, there's a period where I'm gigging so much that I, and not, not that's, that's like, try, I'm trying to be like so humble. I'm not trying to be I, like, I know oh, you're saying. gigging so much. You're good. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but in terms of being practical, you, you're gigging so much. So I found that not that I didn't need to practice, but a lot of the gigs that I do are quite, um, like I do do a lot of like Hendrix and Cream shows. So it's, I can experiment with improvising and soloing. So, but um, now that I'm not doing as, as many gigs and I'm, my chops aren't as warm all the time, I, I've gotten into a good habit of doing like the rudimental ritual. Like I just try and do it like what, like maybe even like, I don't know, three times a week. I know I should be practicing every day. Um, you know, when I was learning with Dave Goodman, he was like, you really need to be doing like one to three hours a day or one to two hours a day. <laughs> this is Dave, this is Dave Goodman though. This is Dave. <laughs> yeah, I you, love you, Dave. You, you don't get that good when you don't, if you don't practice. Yeah. He's well, this, this one of the is best. The thing, right? Like you, and, and for me, that's what I have learned. If, if you want to get better and you want to be good at this shit, well, put in the work. And so, um, yeah, I guess I'm I'm trying to get on the drums a little bit more these days. Like even the other day, I just was reading through some old John Riley comping books. And I was like, oh, this is fun. Yeah, do do. But um, what really gets me excited is transcribing, and um, and playing with my metronome. Um, mm. but just playing the same beat. So, um, yeah, just really trying to hone in on 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 my time and my groove. Um, because there was a time in my career where someone actually said to me that I couldn't play in time. And they also said that I couldn't sing in tune and it really Mm. completely rocked me in such a bad way that I became paranoid that I couldn't play in time. And, um, and I know I look back and I go, Oh, they were just really insecure and, you know, being a big bully. Mm. But I think now, you know, I, I do it to, you know, I think it's good as a musician to, uh, yeah, record yourself, listen back. You, you've got to be, um, what, yeah, what, what, what's, how would you say, like, not, not be your own critic, but you have to hold yourself accountable. So, you know, I have high expectations and standards of myself. So I know that when I'm practicing, I'm, I'm doing the work. And then when I do the gig, it's like, cool, whatever comes out, it's okay because I am where I am at the moment. And, um, but yeah, definitely trying to, um, uh, keeper, what's the word? Um, maintenance. Maintenance, yeah. But days like today, I did not even touch the drums. <laughs> um, you know, so it's not going to be every day. Like mm. it's up and down. So, um, yeah, um, it's hard to practice every day, but um, because I love it so much, I think it's e- it's easier to do it when you, when um, yeah, you're. I feel like I'm I'm in the zone at the moment and I cleaned my room out the other day. So it's just because my drums and my piano is in my bedroom mm-hmm. uh, until I move out and have like more space. But um, so I've created again that environment where my drums are there ready to go, yep. you know, um, and clean them. So um, they just, they're like, please play me, Loz. Come and play me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, but uh, I do miss um, being able to jam with the band. That's yeah. something that I miss. Yep. Seeing people, seeing friends and 
<sighs> yeah, yeah, it's actually it's like, it's like it's nice to even I know we're doing this uh, podcast, but it's nice to even see another face, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, I asked you to choose one song, but yes. you, you chose three. So oh, you, I know, but but, but no, I, I know, I know. You, you can you, you're going to tell me which one you want, but. Um, um, I asked you to choose, choose a song that's had the biggest impact on you. So we'll, um, if you can introduce a song, then we'll. Okay. Um, I feel like I need to get, but it was really hard question because yep. well, the first thing I thought of was these songs make me have an emotional reaction every single time. But right. in terms of. Well, that's an impact. That, that's, yeah. that's, that's impact enough for you for that to be the first thing that you thought of. So that's. Okay. That'll do. Well, I just thought the people out there probably don't want to listen to Music of the Night by Phantom of the Opera, and they've probably heard because <laughs> that was one of them. Well, mate, probably, well it, it, made no, me, no, no. it made me go back and listen to it and realise just really? how much I love that song and how, like how, how, how deep that music is, you know. So oh, um, if that's the one, yeah, we'll, we'll listen to that and then, yeah. Well, I thought, in, you know what, because I just haven't spoken about my new project. The one that actually has meant a lot to me is the um, John Denver, mm. um, because as a, you know, again, everything we've spoken about musically, as a songwriter, I remember hearing um, Rocky Mountain High for the first time and, and Country Roads, uh, Take Me Home Country Roads, and I cried because I just thought the the lyrics were so beautiful and it, and you, you asked me what song, you know, had an impact on me. And it was that moment that I thought, wow, like if you can do that with a song and, and evoke an emotion or an image with, yeah, I think John Denver did it for me. Don't ask me why. I have no mm. idea. Um, I think Yellow Brick Road just makes me cry because it's a beautiful song. But I reckon if we're going to choose a song today, let's go with John Denver, Take Me Home, Country Road. <laughs> All right. I'll let you put your headphones on and then we'll. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. And you know what, too? There's one line in the chorus where he goes, country roads, take me home to the place I belong. That is the line that makes me cry. I don't know why. Oh, my God. It's just it's just crazy. Um, but beautiful song. I'm going to put my um, headphones in now. Okay. Almost heaven. West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is older, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze. Country roads take me home. Drop in my eye, country road. Take 
And when I'm listening to records these days, I'm like, I'm listening to less drums, more melodies. What's the hook in that song? Like, yeah. what makes it so catchy? What song has, what, like, what about this song has made it stand the test of time? Mm. And um, what, what do you think yeah. it is with that song then? Wow. Well, great question. Um, you know, like, I think being able to tell a story is really important. And, you know, when I think of all the songs that they play on, like, you know, 101.7 WSFM, like classic <laughs> hits. Um, no, I'm sorry. I'm, um, no, I'm just thinking, like, the, the songs that they play are timeless classics, even if it's, you know, um, Hot Stuff by Diana Summers or if it's, you know, a Midnight Oil song or if it's Johnny Cash or I think a lot of songs these days are written for that, like, you know, um, yeah, that like streaming Spotify single hit, you know, I mean, I'm a big fan of Keith Urban and I was listening to his old stuff and his new stuff and I'm listening to his new stuff going, that hook, those chords, it's like commercial radio play Mm. and it's not necessarily, you know, like resonating on a more heartfelt level. It's just like a song about like drinking whiskey or whatever it is. But um, I think, yeah. The John Denver song especially is, um, I don't know, it's like it just captures a moment in time and um, then being able to write music with those words and bring the words to life, like that is a craft. Mm. So um, just that's the magic of music. Um, And, yeah, I I think um, because I have been to Colorado and I have been to Denver and I've seen those mountains and I've been there in that warm air in the summer mm. and being in those woods, I'm like this, like you, yeah, you just, it make it, it, you can connect with it. So I love that about that particular song is that I resonate. So the songs that I'm trying to write now, I'm like, wow, I hope someone resonates with this. And, you know, it doesn't mm. all, you don't always have to tell a story. Like no, no. You can write a song about, you know, um, being in a yellow submarine. <laughs> yeah. um, but then, but then the imagination from that, like yeah, how great sure. is that, you know? Yeah. So um, there you go. There you go. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't really know what else to say about John Denver. 
you know what? This this is a bit harsh. Um, every time I hear someone say Rocky Mountain High. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. And oh, no. Oh, yeah, God. I know. You know what I'm going to say, eh? No, I have no idea. Oh, you I don't know? I mean, do you, know, you know how he died? Oh, my God, no. What? Oh, you don't? Oh, he flew a plane into a mountain. Oh, that was Oh. Yeah. So every time I hear Rocky Mountain High, I just see, it, <laughs> see the plane. Like, Far out, man. Oh, I, my I, God. <laughs> That's that's my sick brain. <laughs> oh wait, no, was that was that the plane accident that happened? And there was someone else in the plane, wasn't there? Other musicians in that plane? No, that, that, no, that was a separate one. Yeah, that was um, that was that was that Buddy was, Holly and the Big Bopper and Richie Valance. Yeah. Or, okay, or, nope. I actually did not know how John Denver died. Okay. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, his plane flew into a mountain. Rocky. Like, was Rocky, he flying it? Rocky, I'm not sure. Um. Okay, well, I'm going to go look, look that and up. look that up. Yep. Hopefully it doesn't. Actually, <laughs> hopefully you don't go back and listen to um, Take Me Home Country Road and <laughs> think of it a different way, you know, once you once you read that story. but I actually yeah. think that John Denver looks like Keith Urban when he gets old. Right. Anyway. With the frame glasses and, you know. <laughs> Oh, oh, man, man, oh, man. Oh. Benson, this has been awesome. I've enjoyed this. It's been worth the wait. Been a long time coming. Oh, and I, you know, I, when we were talking before and you mentioned Cat Hunter, it reminded me of the last time we were in touch was right before start of COVID last year when we were putting together the Drummer's Roundtable. Do you remember? Oh, oh, I thought you were, yes. Drummer's Roundtable. Yeah, 2020 was going to be. Yeah, 2020 wow. Drummer's Roundtable, and it was it was going to be Cat, yourself, and Ellie Foster, and um, yeah, a couple other people. We were right yeah. right in the middle of trying to get a date to get like a a date sorted and a venue, and then bang, COVID. See you later. <laughs> <clears throat> Look after yourself. Can't wait to hear the new music. Thank um, you. And I, I can't wait just to, um, I think I, I was on your Instagram the other day. I'd like to go back and, and listen to some of the podcasts you've done because you've interviewed a lot of people and they look like some really good podcasts. Did you, I think I saw somewhere your podcast was like one of the like t- highest rating music podcasts. Oh yeah, well, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't tend to look at that stuff anymore. Cause I know, um, but that- Cool yeah, it was. You know? Yeah, it was. It was a buzz when it happened. But yeah, I'm, I mean, it's like any of those sort of um, accolades and charts and stuff. If you focus too much on them, they can kind of become <laughs> become something that you have to look at all the time. And I ended up doing that, and and, and I, I just stopped. I don't. I I don't even know. <laughs> but I think it's a good. Would you say like it's a good? I think it's a good little project. You know, something to work on and. You know, it's been yeah. Some, I've, yeah. There are a couple of podcasts I'd like to go back and listen to. So cool. it's such a good thing that you're doing. Like, well done. You know, it's it's really a great service to the community. Really. Yeah. Um, thanks, Lost. Cheers. Yeah. So good vibes, man. Like, and thank you again for having me. I feel very humbled that you'd even want to like talk about me because again, I just you know think of just some weirdo musician. Nah, like, you're that, not. Nah, nah, nah. Um, no. But thank you so much for having me. It's been such a, a pleasure. Sweet ass. Thank you. Thank en- you. Enjoy the lockdown. <laughs> no. Yeah. Put that on a t shirt. Yeah, I reckon. Eh? <laughs> <laughs>
you know, actually, one thing that's getting me through lockdown is Milo. Milo, right, okay. Yeah, Papa Milo, if you're feeling extra cheeky, had a scoop of ice cream, no one's going to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. But, awesome. Um, yeah, good to see you now. I'll speak to you soon. All right, Lars, take it easy. All right, see you, mate. Bye.